Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ramona Shelburne, welcome back. And welcome hey. to the world, Jacob Ryan Barrett. Thank Tim you. Kalisha, Sarah Spain, Justin Tinsley. With the latest on Tua Tungavailoa straight away. Upon being released from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center late last night, Tungavailoa flew home with the Dolphins, is now at his home in South Florida. MRI to come, possibly a second opinion. Initial tests showed no structural damage. In good spirits, per source, Jeremy Fowler reports. The scene on the field, we're going to show the images now. If you feel it distressing, please take care for the next 30 seconds or so. The images of Tagovailoa's head hitting turf and hands and fingers frozen in what medical professionals call a fencing response, something NFL viewers may never unsee, on a stretcher motionless. The face mask is screwed off, but helmet kept on so as not to move him and possibly cause further damage. Time on the field was about eight minutes to the ambulance every stadium has on standby and directly to the hospital. It was 18 minutes later when the Dolphins released that he had movement in his extremities and two hours, 50 minutes after that when the team posted that he would be discharged and flying home. That's the latest, the full picture one can't talk just about last night without talking about Sunday to his injury 100 or so hours earlier and the league's concussion protocol and the team doctors from Miami and independent doctor the NFL requires for that. Two is clearing to go back into that game and the NFL Players Association's questioning that the review happened is still not completed. All parties signed off on him playing last night and Tom Pelissero, Judy Batista on the NFL Network today talking to Chief Medical Officer Dr. Alan Sills saying Taugavailoa was checked for concussion systems every day since Sunday and an independent neuro expert had to clear him. That's a lot, national panel, and thank you for your time there. Sarah Spain, now, what did we just witness? We witnessed that protocols don't matter unless they're actually enforced, and that means during the week, that means on game day, that means in the middle of a game when it is the hardest to tell a player or a team not to play. And what we see from a lot of people that are watching this is the armchair doctor tendencies. And normally I would push back on people saying that they know more than a team that's invested in this player's future and then the doctors that are independent and allegedly assigned to care the most about what happens to this young man. Unfortunately, the NFL protocols themselves use the words observe not treat, not test, observe. And there are certain signs and symptoms that are considered no-go. You are not allowed to return to the game if they are observed at any point. He had five of those. He clutched at his head, he took woozy steps, he fell down, he had to be supported by his teammates and he shook out the cobwebs. Those are all of the signs and symptoms, all of the mobility issues, all of the things that you see that tell you that someone has suffered a head injury. When he was put back in, that was the first problem. All those times that he was tested by the neurologist during the week and then they said he was cleared, 
That's a separate problem, and that allowed him to be back in the game again to suffer a second head injury. The issue is he should have never been out there on Thursday night, particularly when an investigation into whether the first protocols were handled correctly wasn't completed yet by the time the game came up. What was that investigation for? To point the finger at someone or to find out whether this young man was healthy enough to play mm. again? If it's not done yet, then why is he out there? So the failure was on Sunday, and it was followed by maybe even people who thought they were doing the right thing. But by failing the first time, it set them up to fail again last night. Tim Kalashaw. Well, Sarah said it beautifully there. And, and, and I'm not a big believer in mass conspiracies and the idea that Dolphins coaches, management, trainers, and independent neurologists got together and said, hey, we're going to call this concussion a back injury so he can play Thursday. I'm pretty certain that didn't happen. But at the same time, as you just saw on the tape, as Sarah just described, there's no back injury that's going to cause you to collapse like that, that's going to cause you to start veering to your left like that, that's going to have you shaking your head as you come off the field. So what they're really saying is, okay, he had those symptoms, and we checked him in the tent, and they were gone in three or four minutes, and so we sent him back out into the game, and they never came back. And I think most, most doctors would tell you that's probably a medical impossibility. Ramona Shelburne. You know, I just was thinking about him. I mean, two is a guy who's been through so much already in his career. He's had hip surgery, two ankle surgeries. You know, the, he's felt sort of unwanted there and, and he's always going to be compared to Justin Herbert. And finally finds a coach in a situation where he's thriving and succeeding. Feels like he's – and he's, he's out there and somebody's supposed to save him from himself. I mean, I think we know he's tough. He's come back from a hip surgery and two ankle surgeries, right? He, he wants to play. He's 24 years old. He's finally found a home. He's finally found some success. And he's out there playing because he wants to play. He's a player. That's what players want to do. Somebody's got to help him. Somebody's got to step in and say, sit down, kid. You got your whole career in front of you. And now, like, I watched this live, and I saw his hands do something weird. And I didn't know what it was until they showed the replay. And as he said, Tony, that's something you can't unsee. And I'm, I'm just... I'm worried about – I don't want to hear he's in good spirits. I don't want to hear that. Like, I, I don't want to see him play for a little while. Like, sit out and really get healthy after this. And Justin Tinsley. Whew. Yeah, I'm, I'm like Ramona. You got to look at this personally. I thought of two of the men, not necessarily two of the football players. I think everybody here feels like he should not have been out on that field. But with two, again, as Ramona said, this is a guy who felt like he's, he's had to prove himself – from the moment he entered, entered the league with that hip injury. And again, Justin Herbert. And then we, we heard the rumors for months about Miami really wanting Deshaun Watson. So it's human nature to want to be wanted and desired and coveted with, within your role at, at your job. But, you know, th that type of insecurity is something that, you know, the NFL has banked on for years. The NFL knows this. The NFL is a machine. And in a lot, in a lot of ways for this society, it's a drug. They know society really can't kick it. They own three days out of the week. And we've seen so many examples where it feels like the NFL values the actual football more than the person actually carrying it. So this is what we have to look at here. Teams replace players all the time. I'm not saying this is necessarily what's going to happen with Tua, but we always see it. There's a draft every year for that reason. So I, it's, it's just a very unfortunate situation, man, and it's really ugly. And I just truly feel I'm sorry. I'm interested you know. in how we talk about this, how reporters talk yeah. about this, how fans talk about this, of course, how the league talks about this, um, and a medically trained professional talking about this on the internet, Chris Nowinski, PhD, 
founding CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation, posted hours before the game, quote, if Tua takes the field tonight, it's a massive step back for concussion care. If he has a second concussion, destroys his season or career, everyone involved will be sued and should lose their jobs. He, of course, not treating Tonga Bailoa, just observing from home. And the broadcast, how they talked about it. Halftime didn't even mention his injury from Sunday. And active players, how they talk about it. Posts from players who were criticizing the broadcast for showing replays. And, of course, Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel, how he talks about it today. I have 100% conviction in our process with regarding, um, uh, with regarding our, our players. Um, there's, this is a player-friendly um, organization that, you know, I make it very clear from my, the onset my job as a coach is here for the players. I, I'm in steady communication with this guy day in, day out. There is no medical indication, uh, you know, from, from all resources that there's anything regarding the head. In that media availability today, Coach Mike McDaniel said on the team flight, he talked to Tua. They watched the movie MacGruber for a little bit together on Tua's phone. Sarah, how did that all come off to you? I think it's difficult because we don't want to presume that anybody would be lying to us or have uh, disregard for, for the care of human beings, particularly those that they are spending their days with. I think the complicated factor is that sometimes the people who want to play, the people who want to be able to play those players, they all are hoping for the answers that they're looking for. And when they get them, they don't ask any further questions. And I think that that is the case of so many of us with the game of football. The cognitive dissonance that's required for all of us to Mm. enjoy this thing we love is to understand that this aspect of it can be deadly and can be deleterious to people later in their lives. And we sort of all accept it, but only to a point. Only if we believe that some of the action that's been taken in recent years to remedy this is actually being acted upon. And that's why I said earlier, the protocols don't matter unless they follow them. And I think this is the sort of situation that turns players and fans against the league if they They don't feel like even the minimal things that they've promised to do in order to help with CTE and concussions aren't being done. Justin, you just heard Mike McDaniel say the protocols were followed. So my question to you is, is it a question about the protocols being followed or them not actually getting and scratching the surface of what this is to begin with? I think it's more of the latter of what you said. And and it feels like the protocols are more one-sided to to benefit the league than the actual player. I wonder, like, how was this guy even released from the hospital so soon to get on the plane to fly back to Miami with with this team? Well, that's not even NFL doctors, right? That's now the university. But you're right. He was in an emergency room for a couple exactly. of hours. That's I look again. I'm not a medical expert, but even even I know that, that doesn't feel right. And and I think we have to look at it like this, Tony. Tony, think of somebody like Joe Theismann or Paul George. We saw them break their leg. We know that's bad. But as Roger Sherman on the Ringer, he wrote a really great article about this. There's still there's still so much that we don't grasp about brain trauma, about head trauma. And, you know, the NFL has been dealing with CTE for well over a decade now. They've paid out hundreds of millions. But that ignorance, that ignorance towards brain trauma has made the NFL even more money. Ramona Shelburne. Look, when you have a sprained ankle, they take an MRI and they say it's a grade one or a grade two. When you have a brain injury, there's no, there's nothing you can do to necessarily say this is a brain injury. You just have to rely on what you see and how somebody feels. And I think we need to get to a point where we err on the side of caution. 
Like, the if protocol you're not sure, is supposed to do that, though. And the protocol right. we're hearing from everybody was followed here, I guess, Ramona. It was, yeah, but though. We, we know what we saw. Mm, okay. <laughs> Sarah pointed out in her first Tim, you said we something we before we sat down that struck me, helped up. that we're all complicit in this. The indignation from players, from fans, yeah. from reporters. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, I mean, I think all of us who are fortunate enough to make our living writing and talking about sports, for most of us, Ramona's got a lot of NBA on her plate, but for most of us, uh, we do a lot t- talking about the NFL and about college football. And we all know it's an inherently dangerous game. And I think that's why we all got so indignant a decade ago when we learned how the NFL had swept all the news about concussions under the rug and discredited the Pittsburgh doctor who made the findings on Mike Webster's brain and all that story led to movies, books, and all the rest. And now we want to sit back and believe, okay, they got these protocols, they work, we can sit and enjoy the game and just play with our fantasy teams and and think everything is great. Mm -hmm. And things like this remind us, these protocols are in place, but they clearly didn't work, as Chris Nowinski said. Everybody can see that wasn't a back injury against Buffalo. And the league is going to pretend it is, and they're probably going to get away with it. Thanks for your thoughts on that. I I know... The image of this are very hard. And you heard from the players, don't show the replay, don't show the replay. Well, yeah. the replay is not the problem. <laughs> Being on the field right. and playing right. in the sport <laughs> is, is, in fact, the problem. And it's a new story at that moment. But I appreciate you, uh, your thoughts on this. We're going to take a break here by ourselves on the other side. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to Around the Horn, coming to you from the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Kansas City. Tampa, Mahomes, Brady. I don't need to say any more. <laughs> Who you got, Tim? Tony, you know how often Tom Brady loses back-to-back games at home? I sure don't, but I bet it's not very often. And it's not going to happen this week. <laughs> That's that. Mike Evans is back. Mike Evans is back. Godwin and Julio are iffy. One of them is going to be back in there. Yeah, something. Okay, I hear what you're saying. Something was iffy there, that's for sure. Go ahead, Sarah Spade. (laughs) Yeah, uh, 
I, I probably would agree if there was a stat there with yeah. it. I, it's probably not likely that he loses a lot back to back. For me, the issue is just that they have three offensive touchdowns through three weeks. None of them are on the ground. I just, for as great as this Bucks D can be, they've won six to seven against the Chiefs. They're going to bring the pressure to Mahomes. I just don't think they'll be able to score enough with that put-together offense that they've got so far. Justin, you saw in the Super Bowl what that Bucks D could do to Patrick Mahomes. Who you got? And they've bolstered up that uh, offensive line since then. I'm going Kansas City because I think they're going to do a better job protecting Mahomes this week, and they're going to have to with that Tampa Bay pass rush. And, and, and against the Blitz this season, Mahomes, he has a QBR of 94, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. So I think I, I think he control control that. Ramona, blitz both are coming off losses. Who you got? Yeah. Look, I like the Beck song. I like all the stuff between oh, Mahomes yeah, and Brady, yeah. the Super Bowl matchup. But this actually doesn't come down to these two guys. It's Tampa's rush defense. They're the fifth best in the league, and Kansas City has not been able to run the ball at all this year. Oh, delay. Points. Shelburne. We'll move on. Bills Ravens. Josh versus Lamar. I don't need to say any more. Okay, I'll say one more thing. Ken Dorsey versus the coach's <laughs> box. Sarah Spade, who you got? Well, I like how we always make these games. It's it's Allen versus Jackson. No, it's not. They're never going to be on the field at the same time. Duly noted. Case, it's especially important because Allen's going to face a 32nd ranked defense and Lamar Jackson's going to take on the number one. I'm going Bills in this because as great as Lamar Jackson's been, he's going to face a much more uphill fight here. And I think Allen's going to feed. Yeah, speaking of battered in defense, this Buffalo secondary is torn to shreds right now, and I think Lamar Jackson is going to pick that apart. And I actually see a big game from from Bateman this week. Yeah, I got I got Baltimore. Mona Shelburne. Josh Allen is the best quarterback throwing the deep ball this year. The Ravens have the worst secondary against the deep ball this year. It's gonna be a shootout, 35, 31, maybe even more than. But that. you have. Buffalo, I think. Oh, I'm going to go with Lamar. I like, oh, wow. I like After Lamar. After everything you said, Whoa. I thought you were leaning. Oh, I like Lamar. Oh. You never know with so and Kalisha. <laughs> I can't get past the disparity on defense. This is not a fair way to assess MVP candidates when we see how the Baltimore Ravens yep. defense is played. Buffalo's good. Mm-hmm. Buy or sell three. Baseball. Huge series. The NL East to be decided. I don't need to say anymore. Mets Braves. Tim, who you got? I feel like this has been the Mets year, a special year for them. The arrival of Buck Showalter, yeah. the Tom Seaver statue, all they've had yeah. going for them. And they got a one-game lead. But that's not much. <laughs> but they got DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett lined up to go. Give me the Mets. Our Spain. The brain says Mets. They've got the lead. They've got the tiebreaker. They don't yeah. have to do as much to get it. My heart says... Braves because the Mets under pressure with everything on the line. Why would I start believing in that The Braves have won five of six. They got a deeper, more serious lineup. So if all the pitching shows up, my money. The Mets have been known to struggle finishing the job. Atlanta had for the entire history of the franchise too, up until last year. Justin Uh, Tinsley, okay. The Mets know all they have to do is not get swept, and they're still in control. So knowing that, and the way the Mets have been hitting the ball recently, I got the Mets coming out of this. And Shelby. I like Atlanta, World Series champs, man. They, by the way, Max Freed, Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright has 20 wins this year. Yeah, Charlie yeah. Morton, that's a pretty good pitching staff, too. Yeah. All right. From your lips to the mute button takes, right? Okay, we'll see what happens come Monday. Tim Kalashaw. Even par. When's the last time that happened for you? (laughs) After two holes. (laughs) 
And Justin Tinsley, thanks for that. Spain, Shelburne, showdown in two minutes. And then add two more minutes to it. And then 15 more seconds oh. after that. We'll be back. <laughs>
one or so more. Um, I think the people who wrote this sim are getting lazy. It started with a Frankie Lasagna and it ended with a Mulligan. Come on. These are not real people. I know. All right. Well, no mulligans or lasagnas were harmed in, in this discussion. I'm going to have some lasagna tonight, or maybe gnocchi. Ramona Shelburne, it's been so long. 30 seconds of FaceTime. You know, they say when you have two kids, it is uh, twice as much fun and twice as much love. I actually think it's exponentially more fun and more love. Um, it's, it's a, a friend of mine once said to me, it's very clarifying when you have multiple kids of well, what's important to you. And when I come back and I, and I see all you guys back here, Tony, I've texted you this whole way through. It's just like my heart just exploding to be, to, to have the beautiful family I have, but also to be back with you guys on the Around the Holy Family. Aww. Mm. Oh. Oh. Ramona. Glad to have you back, Ramona. Baby, right? <laughs> Those you. baby farts. I mean, oh, I know. Yeah, We've got man-sized yeah. parts. I love or it. Or the dog parts. <laughs> or whatever we, whatever we have cooking in our homes, you know, they're all what our own. What about our own parts? We're on a 71 and a half hour break. We'll see you Monday around the horn.